Welcome to another episode of Anchor Links. I am your host, Andre Floyd, and I am here with my COO and foundation director, Gabrielle Cedar. Uh, Gab, thanks for joining me on this episode. Always happy to be here. Hi, Andre. Hello, I am doing well. I'm glad you're here because this is the first episode of 2024. I'm excited. (laughs) (laughs) We made it into the new year and we're really excited. We have a really fun calendar uh, for you all. So please make sure you are subscribed to the podcast so you can get new episodes as soon as they are released. And we're going to do something a little interesting this year. We're going to follow a few themes. And in January, it is Economic Equity Kind of Awareness Month. And we are going to follow that theme for these next couple of episodes. In this episode in particular, we are going to look at poverty and in the disability community. Now, there are a lot of places we could go with this conversation. I just kind of want to start off by giving some numbers. Uh, From the United Census Bureau, I saw in 2022, the poverty line, the official poverty line, was at 11.5% for all Americans. In 2023, it looks like it went up a bit at 12.4. I think I saw that as well online. Now, I will caveat and say that there there does seem to be some consternation over the way that we are still defining the poverty line. It is defined as three times the minimum cost of uh, food, which was established in 1963. No disrespect if you were around in 1963, but that was a a little while ago. So... This, this, I think I, I note this to state that whatever the numbers are, given housing, the cost of housing and other things, you're probably looking at the numbers being even larger than they are uh, reported. Now, National Disability Institute notes that 27% of people with disabilities are at that poverty line or below that poverty line. And that is just kind of mind-blowing. Without a doubt. So, It's hard to get by for a lot of people in the United States these days, right? But particularly for people with disabilities. And what makes it even more of a challenge are the barriers that are set in place. Even when folks find a job they love, find a house they love, there's just sometimes things seem to be kind of stacked um, against people with disabilities, particularly folks with intellectual and developmental disabilities like anchor members support. Yeah, and you mentioned some of those factors in 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 housing and in, in income. It's it's the poverty line is one of those things or thinking about poverty overall. There are so many things that kind of you can point to in just broadly that would be helpful in combating this across the the broad scope of the problem in the country. But for people with disabilities, it does seem like there's even more restrictions and either more issues and, and concerns to try to address. So just for for my own knowledge and maybe others who are listening, what are some of those uh, contributing factors that kind of add on top of the rest that everyone else uh, below that line feels as well? Well, sometimes it's harder for people with disabilities to find employment. Uh, there's discrimination, there's ableism at play, and I know that you have spent some time on a previous podcast talking about that. And even with incentives for employers to hire a more diverse staff, a lot of times people forget that diversity also includes disability. 
But Andre, here's the kicker. Even if somebody finds a job that they love uh, and a supportive boss and people that really want them to be there, if you're receiving medical assistance or aid from another federal program, uh, you have to be careful that you don't earn too much. Wait, 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 wait. Earn too much? Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. <laughs> so let me, let me just take a step back. Some programs, most federal programs that support people with disabilities are what we call means tested. As in, you can't have more than a certain amount of money or assets and still be able to ac access them. And that's kind of checked pretty often. Um, that includes Medicaid, medical assistance, social security income, social security income for uh, disability income. So yeah, sometimes when you need to have access to programs that provide supports that you need to live and work, ironically, uh, that you would never be able to pay for yourself, uh, it can feel like you're doomed to living below the poverty line. Okay, so that right there is something that I feel like a lot of people, like in this space, this is something that is commonly known. But I feel like, and I hope that people are listening that, that aren't familiar with the space, just took themselves, like took a step back and was like, whoa, I did not know that. Because that is massive. You, you, if you require or, or need or, you know, a, a level of support, and that's part of what's needed for you to, you know, live, you know, function in the community through these things that we say we want to have happen. And we have led a lot of legislation to push for that to happen, that that can be a, a burden to you when it comes to making an income just seems a little bonkers. bit backwards. <laughs> bonkers, thank you. I try to be nice and say backwards, but bonkers, yes, I think that fits. Yeah, it's bonkers. Uh, but but here's here's good news. Here's some here's here's a bright line. Um, there are things uh, that are happening and programs that exist to try to counter uh, these um, unintentional effects. Um, so, for example, there are some state specific programs. Um, you know, Pensy is my residency. I'm from Pennsylvania. I talk about it all the time. <laughs> uh, but there, there is a program called MAUD, Medical Assistance for Workers with Disabilities, which is a special form of medical assistance for workers with disabilities um, that allows you to work uh, more than uh, the usual number of hours or gain the number of, of, of income. And not have to worry about your medical assistance benefits. Um, so I'm certain that there are other states that have similar programs, but that's the one that I'm most familiar with. There's also programs that you can access anywhere, like a special needs trust, which is exactly what it sounds like. It's a special trust account for people with disabilities. Uh, but usually with a trust, you have to wait to access it or it yeah, triggers yeah. when something happens. Um, and just like everybody else, someone with a disability could really use cash for day-to-day -day spending as well as planning for the future. And that's the beauty of ABLE accounts. ABLE stands for Achieving a Better Life Experience. And that's exactly what these special savings accounts for people with disabilities help to do. 
I was really lucky to be able to, uh, able, see what I did there? Uh, <laughs> I like it. I like it. <laughs> I didn't even catch it till you stopped. So thank you so much. <laughs> I had the pleasure of talking with Jody Ellis from the ABLE National Resources Center to learn more about ABLE accounts, how you know you're eligible, how to set one up. It was a great conversation. Yeah, I, I love that. I just, so, okay. I just want to reset for the people for the people listening. We started off the top and we talked about the poverty line and how difficult it is, the multifaceted factors that apply to everybody in the U.S. that are below the po- uh, poverty line. And then we looked at specific factors in the disability space facing di- people with disabilities, not to, to, to include income, basically restrictions on, on everything, which means, like you said, when there are when there are when there's a job that you finally get the ability to have a, a job that pays you fairly and equitably equitably and it's a good salary you still like that's not the end of the worry whereas for most people that would help them move out of the po- that that poverty line above that poverty line but that's still not the case because of these restrictions and now we are seeing that and I am thankful that there are things being done to help mitigate that part of the process for people with disabilities. And it sounds like there are a few people working on it, which is great because this is like a, it could be like a mind blown moment for people to be like, why isn't somebody doing something? But people are, and that's great to know. So, okay. ABLE accounts are the thing we are going to get into and talk about with, with Jody Ellis, correct? Correct. And I think the most helpful thing that our listeners could do uh, is taking the information and share it and spread the word because you know that you have a neighbor or a friend or you are someone uh, that has a family member with a disability that could probably benefit from this. Uh, the only challenge with ABLE accounts is, I think, not enough people know about them and not enough people are utilizing them. And they... The program itself just keeps improving year after year, and we can talk about that. You'll hear about that when I I talk with Jody. But if our listeners uh, could just take find find one person in their network and kind of share the news about ABLE accounts with them, I think we could make some decent headway into this space. Yeah. At the end of the conversation, I remember Jody giving numbers, talking about how there aren't really that many ABLE accounts that have been open and they're so easy to open. So definitely want everybody to stay tuned to the full conversation because not only is Jody great, she's giving great information that's super, super important to help combat this and make this space a little bit more economically equitable for people with disabilities. Hi, and welcome. My name is Gabrielle Cedor. I am here with Jody Ellis from the ABLE National Resource Center. I am so excited that Jody can join us today. Uh, Jody, tell us a little bit about the ABLE National Resource Center and what you do. 
Thanks for inviting me to share all things ABLE. And we tend to use a lot of acronyms in our field, so I want to be sure to explain that ABLE is an acronym for Achieving a Better Life Experience. So a little bit about ABLE NRC, the National Resource Center. It is a leading comprehensive source of objective independent information about ABLE programs and activities. Our mission is to educate, promote, and support the positive impact that ABLE can make on the lives of millions of Americans with disabilities and their families. We were founded in 2015, and it is managed by the National Disability Institute. Our website, ablenrc.org, is the go-to source for all information of ABLE, and it's for people with disabilities, their families, employers, state and federal agencies, tax practitioners, financial planners, attorneys, and service providers, including educators and other support professionals. So an ABLE account is essentially a savings account. So how is it different from my savings account or any other savings account? What makes an ABLE account really stand out? Yeah, so an ABLE account is different than a traditional bank account uh, because it was designed specifically as a tax-advantaged account for individuals with disabilities and their families. And what is great about an ABLE account, there's an extra perk that is not available for a regular bank account, is that for people with disabilities that are eligible for means-tested benefits like supplemental security income or Medicaid, Medicaid waiver, uh, these means-tested programs really generally indicate that an individual in order to be eligible should have less than $2,000 in assets or in savings. But if the money is in an ABLE account, then generally individuals are protected from these um, mean-tested benefits and they can certainly have much more in assets and they do not have to live in poverty uh, in order to have these benefits that they're entitled to. That is so important, especially, you know, as here at Anchor, you know, this month, we're focused on, on financial equity for people with disabilities. And it's not as simple as just, well, just save your pennies, save some money, don't spend so much. It's not that easy, especially if you're in a program like Medicaid or SSI or SSDI. Um, so, how do I know if I'm eligible for an ABLE account? All right. So there are some eligibility standards from the ABLE Act. And the first eligibility is that your onset of disability has to be before turning 26 years of age. So this doesn't mean that you have to open account before the age of 26. It just means that you have to have had your onset of disability before turning um, 26 years of age. You do not necessarily Necessarily have to be receiving SSI or SSDI um, to be eligible to open an account. And then there are some state plans that um, may have eligibility requirements like residency, state residency. Some do and some don't. So you would have to just look uh, at that to see if you would be eligible for a specific state plan. 
but generally it is the age um, and then uh, the determining uh, factor of your disability. So if you're not on SSI or SSDI, you would need a letter from a medical doctor uh, indicating or a form filled out from a medical doctor indicating that you do have a disability. That is such a helpful distinction, Jody, because I think when I first learned about ABLE accounts in my mind, I must have equated it with like a college savings account, right? For some reason, I always thought that ABLE accounts were for kids and for younger adults. So it's really helpful to know that that's not the case. So you mentioned that having an ABLE account means that you don't have to worry so much about that $2,000 limit if you're in a means-tested program. But how much can you save in an ABLE account? So there are annual contribution limits. So I'm going to give you the 2024 contribution limits, but they do change each year. Um, But under um, the 2024 guidelines, an individual can... um, have $18,000 contributed to their account. Um, And then there are also able to work guidelines where an employee can contribute an additional $14,580 if they didn't already make contributions to a retirement plan. And these amounts are slightly higher for Alaska and Hawaii, but those are the annual limits. Now, in terms of the mean means-tested programs, the first $100,000 in ABLE accounts are exempted from that $2,000 individual resource limit. However, there are, you know, ABLE accounts are savings accounts, but they can also be investment accounts. So your, your contributions can be invested over time and really growing your assets. Um, So if that is the case, there are different um, state uh, caps um, of how much investment and growth you can have in your accounts. But many states have that uh, to 500,000 range, uh, some a little bit higher and some a little bit lower. But that's the range that we're, we're looking at here with ABLE accounts. That is amazing. That is really incredible to know that if you are someone with a disability, you do not um, have to live in poverty. You can really um, utilize the ABLE accounts in a way that that works best for you and for your family. Um, What a reassurance. I have no idea if if I could ever reach those limits. Um, So that is is so wonderful uh, to know. Um, But what Let's just say that I have been really good uh, with my saving, and maybe I've also got some contributions from my employer. Um, What can I do with those funds? Uh, How can I spend money from the ABLE accounts? Are there any restrictions? Okay, so funds from an ABLE account can be used for what um, the guidelines say are qualified disability expenses, and sometimes we use the acronym QDE. Um, but the great thing about the qualified disability expenses is it really includes so many different domains of expenses. So, for example, 
Um, It might include education expenses, housing expenses, transportation, employment-related training and support, um, assistive technology, your health, um, legal fees, and uh, basic living expenses such as food. And there are other examples as well. But there are so many things that your funds could be used um, to be able to pay uh, if if you need it. That's fantastic. And can can anyone add funds to Enable Account? I know I can. I know my employer can. But let's say my great aunt Martha wanted to send me a gift. Could you know? Could that go into my Able Account? Yes, uh, that is one of the great perks about Able Accounts is anyone can make a contribution to an Able Account. Any person can. Actually, a special needs trust could give a contribution. And on our website, we actually have a gift card option for giving the gift of independence. So anyone, it could be a neighbor, it could be just anyone in your circle of support, individuals who are Able Account owners, they could ask their family and friends for a gift card for a contribution to their ABLE account. Uh, we have one ambassador that said, I'm, I'm kind of tired of getting socks for Christmas and for the holidays. <laughs> so he's like, I now just ask for gift cards. <laughs> I love socks for Christmas. For the record, anybody involved in the Anchor you know, Holiday Gift Exchange knows this. So um. I'm terrible at getting to the bank. I'm terrible. So do I actually have to go to a bank to set up my ABLE account? No, you do not need to visit a bank in order to open up an account. Most of the state plans have the online account option. And if you're not comfortable with opening an account online, some state plans have the ability where you can submit um, actual paperwork, uh, hard copy paperwork to the plan to get that open. Um, But I think that not having to go to a bank, that also helps the state plans to lower their fees. So a lot of times their fees are lower than maybe a traditional bank account because they aren't the brick and mortar um, banks that we typically think of. That's a relief because I I know that I'm so bad at, at getting to places like that. Now, if I wanted to set something up, if I was nervous about doing an account online, I'm pretty sure that a lot of states do have resource centers. But if I can't find one, could I reach to the National Resource Center? So the, the ABLE National Resource Center will give resources that would be applicable to anyone that is living in any state in, in, our, in our nation. Um, but in, in our, also on our website, we do have um, a state plan comparison tool. So you can look up, um, regardless of where you are living, um, the attributes of each of the state plans so that you can identify what plan suits you best and what plan um, it most seems to be applicable to something that you would want to set up. So we do have that. And then in terms of local support, my 
my guidance or recommendations is is always to rely upon your trusted circle of support. Um, you do not have to be expected to know everything about ABLE accounts to get started or to open one up. You can ask um, trusted family members um, or guardians or representatives um, to kind of help you along in your ABLE account path. That's good. I'm really... I'm really hopeful that our listeners can help spread the word about this incredibly valuable tool. And, you know, if I had a family member with a disability, this would be one of my first steps. I would, you know, automatically open up an ABLE account because why wouldn't you? Um, it's such a wonderful, wonderful resource to, to have, especially as you're planning for the future. Here's kind of a, a question. Um, Speaking of planning for the future, um, can ABLE accounts be used towards end-of-life needs, like funeral needs? Like, let's just say I don't have a special needs trust. Could I use my ABLE account or could my family use the ABLE account in the same way? Yes, end-of-life uh, needs are part of qualified um, disability-related expenses. So you absolutely could. You do not need to rely upon a special needs trust for that expense. I hate thinking about those things, but it's better to think about them now, right, than when you really need to. Jody, I loved just browsing through the National Resource Center's website. It's got such a wealth of information there. Do you want to just repeat your website so that folks listening that want more information can get there and kind of take a look for themselves? So you can find our resource center at ablenrc.org. And we have a variety of different resources for a varied audience. We have information for people who just want general information about ABLE accounts. We have information for people who are just getting started and thinking about enrolling. We have information for people who already have an ABLE account established and they want to know how to management to manage that account to its highest impact uh, level. So the resources that you can find, uh, we do have decision guides. We have a lot of webinars that are on demand 24-7. We have podcasts um, as well. We have an Able to Save podcast series. Um, we have toolkits. We have achievable newsletter. And I would uh, encourage listeners to sign up. Um, and subscribe to our newsletter to get uh, current ongoing information. And we also have some policy uh, pieces of information from either IRS or Social Security Administration that can kind of help guide um, some questions that maybe some of the people that are coming to our site might have. So we have a, a wealth of information. It is all free um, and accessible at any time, and we welcome you to visit. And, and we're really hoping to provide information for people. We want to increase awareness. We want to break down barriers that people may have in opening accounts. Um, Right now, the latest data as of uh, September 30th of 2023, there are 
Under current rules, approximately 8 million people with disabilities that would be eligible to open up an ABLE account, and there are only 158,421 ABLE accounts open. So that is like ridiculously low percentage, right, of people and more people need to benefit from an ABLE account. So I hope our discussion today um, can help influence that and move the needle. People, untapped resource. (laughs) This is amazing. Jody. thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate you helping to spread the word. I think ABLE accounts are amazing. I love the work that continues to happen with them. Just this year, the annual cap on what you can contribute has just increased. So it just continues to be good things coming. And also, as of January 1st, 2026, the eligibility to open up an an ABLE account is going to increase from the disability onset being before the age of 26, as it is now, to being before the age of 46. So there are going to be even better things uh, to come in terms of serving more people with disabilities um, and their families. So even more will be able to benefit um, in in a couple of years from now. That is awesome. Jody. thank you and your team for all of the work that you do. And um, let us know if uh, we can do anything to continue to spread the word uh, on ABLE accounts. Thank you for listening to Anchor Links, a podcast produced by Anchor. You can learn more about Anchor at anchor.org. If you enjoyed this episode, please do not forget to share, rate, and review. We'll talk to you again soon.